And I'll guarantee you, you know somebody like that. And you put up with that person all the time. I'm going to tell you a little story. It's a true story. I've told it before. And if you've heard it, well, that's too bad I like it and it fits today's sermon, so I'm going to tell it again. (laughs) My sister CJ used to run a daycare. They had a little boy who was constantly getting in trouble. Always taking things into his own hands, you know, telling the other kids, hey, you're doing the wrong thing or you're not supposed to play with that toy or, you know, whatever. You get you get the picture. CJ was forever trying to get him to come to her and the other teachers rather than, you know, well, acting like he was king of the world. So she was pleasantly surprised one day. He came running up to her and said, teacher, teacher. So she said, I am so pleased you came to me, Travis. Is there a problem? Yes, with Tommy. She says, oh, Tommy, okay, what's the problem? He hit me back. Uh, hi. (laughs) You see, there is someone we all make excuses for every day of our lives. Somebody with whom we are exceptionally patient. And we see that person every day in the mirror. It's just the truth. That other guy... Lord, can you please deal with his problem now? I don't think I can take much more of this. (laughs) But us, our problem? Oh, you know, that's not such a big deal. Every person has one person with whom they are inordinately patient. To be candid, we have a tendency to have a double standard. (laughs) One for us, and one for everybody else. (laughs) What if we learned to be as patient with the other people as we are with ourselves? Well, I've got some good news for you. We will learn to be ultimately patient with all our brothers and sisters in Christ. We will. But, then there's that warning. (laughs) By the time we finish this scripture today, you may wonder whether this is good news. (laughs) Jesus told this story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. 10,000 talents. That's like saying a billion dollars, okay? It's a debt so astronomical that, that it could never be paid. And this servant says, have patience with me. Kingdom of heaven, as Jesus said, to these Jews, this would mean a beautiful eternity in a perfect new creation, okay? That's what we're talking about here. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Hmm, Interesting. We'll get back to this story Jesus told, this parable, in a few minutes. For now, let's not forget our base scripture. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
patience is necessary to maintain unity anywhere, anywhere, but especially in the church. Paul does here what is very common in Hebrew writings. He says the same thing two ways, with patience, bearing with one another in love. It's really the same thing. And it's simple, you see. You don't have to be patient with anyone unless they've done something wrong. (laughs) That's why we have to, in love, bear with people. (laughs) If they never did anything wrong, why would we need to be patient with them? If we uh, never did anything wrong, (laughs) why would people need to be patient with us? So, our issue today, expressing patience of this extraordinary kind with someone other than ourselves. Okay? Let's go back to Jesus' story. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Now remember, keep this in mind, this is all about the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Out of pity, the master forgave this enormous debt. Basically, it's what Paul was saying. The servant expresses what appears to be genuine humility. He fell on his knees and asked for forgiveness. And the master bears with him. He forgives him. Ah, But the story goes on. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe! So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me! And I will pay you a hundred denarii, that's a few weeks' wages, one millionth the amount the first servant owed. One millionth the amount. Wow. And he throttled him. But the second service says, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. Sounds familiar. So here's his chance. That first servant. What will he do now that the shoe is on the other foot? Will he demonstrate true humility? Will he bear with his fellow servant? Was the attitude of humility he expressed with his master real? Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Remember what we said last week about Solomon threatening with a sword, you know, real quick, everyone found out what those mothers were made of? And here the same thing happens. You know, a person can fake a proper attitude for quite a while when there's no pressure. Uh, Add a little heat and the truth comes out pretty fast. Frankly, this guy, he didn't exactly need a lot of heat to bring his real character out in the open. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Eventually, everything comes to light. We're really not fooling anybody. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers. A double standard in forgiveness. One for me, one for everybody else. A double standard in patience. 
a double standard in bearing with one another in love. There's a little bit left in this story, but before we get to it, let's go back in time just a bit to discover why Jesus told this story. What was he illustrating with this graphic depiction? Matthew 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? (laughs) Wow, humility. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't think so. (laughs) There's a whole bunch leading up to this even, but basically the disciples have a problem with pride that leads to a problem with patience. They're trying to develop a pecking order Who's more important, Jesus? Come on, pick your favorite. <laughs> yeah. So Jesus tells them in verses 2 to 6, be humble in your faith like little children. That's who will be great in the kingdom of heaven. And not just that, care for children, the humble people. And make sure you do not harm children, the humble people. It would be better to die than do that. In the next few verses, 7 to 9, he says, watch out for sin. I'm thinking he's saying not being humble is sin and not being patient with people is sin, both of which could lead to eternal fire. (laughs) Give up everything, he says, to avoid that, especially your pride and impatience with others. Do you think this humility and patience thing might be pretty important to Jesus. He spends the next four verses speaking of God's great care for the humble. He ends by saying, so it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Those who achieve the humility of children will be preserved by God. Good news. So how do we know if we have achieved this true humility that we are expressing humility in patience? Jesus tells us, starting in the very next verse, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Paul said it another way. Walk with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The point is to gain your brother, the unity. That's what we're looking for, to achieve that unity of the Spirit. So think for a moment with me. What happens if we are impatient and we accuse our brother to others before talking with him? First, we have sinned. Okay. We're not sugarcoating things today. We've also made it very difficult to gain our brother, to gain unity. If someone starts to talk with us about a situation... We need to ask them if they have talked privately with their brother before they get into the gory details, right? If we don't, we are sinning. Note that Jesus said, if he sins, if your brother sins against you. We're talking real sin here. When when we talk with someone one-on-one, we might find out that we misunderstood. It wasn't sin at all. It could be. And we're not talking about preferences either. You know, I don't like the way he dresses. (laughs) That music they listen to is just horrible, just inappropriate. Can you believe it? He's a Democrat. 
or a Republican or a Libertarian or whatever there is out there nowadays. Sorry, I don't keep up too good. Those things aren't sin. Well, necessarily they aren't. But we've got to talk to the person and discover, talk with them privately and discover what is going on. What if we think someone's sinning and we do nothing? You broke your leg. Oh, that's too bad. Well, you know, tough it out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we got to set that leg. We got to help them set the leg. I mean, that's, that's important to do. And then the second time they break it and they ask for help, and the third, and the fourth, and the seventh. Get to that. When the Apostle Paul gave that great description of love, you've heard it all around, lots of weddings. What's the first thing that he said it was? Love is patient. Patient. That's the first description of love? Patient? If you have the love of God, you will express it in humble patience. Jesus said of that man who sinned against his brother, If he listens, great. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Remember, we're talking humility expressed in patience. If we bring a bunch of people to talk with our brother or accuse him in public before just a few of us have talked with him privately, we have sinned. If somebody tries to drag you into a public situation, first ask them if they've already talked to their brother in private and then with a few others. Have you done that already? If they have not and we accost our brother in a big group, we are sinning. We are not expressing humility with patience. We do need to understand, by the way, that Jesus in his culture, no woman would talk to any non-relative male directly. It would never happen, or the reverse. A male would not approach a woman. It just That would never happen. So in a million years, they wouldn't have expected that Jesus meant that. So we need to keep these kind of things in mind. We need to be wise. And that also includes being sensitive to these cultural norms in the way you approach people. Just We need to be cautious and do things carefully and wisely. But... I want you to notice that Jesus said every charge, every charge would be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. That means on both sides, right? (laughs) And remember, even now, the point is to gain your brother, as Jesus said, to achieve the unity of the Spirit. Sometimes, though, people can be pretty (laughs) hard-headed. Not us, of course. We're talking about other people. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Sometimes things do have to get pretty public before people will finally submit in humility. And sometimes they won't listen at all. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Last week, We talked about that sinning Corinthian man. Paul told them to turn him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Why? So that in the end, his spirit will be saved. And then we will, finally, have unity. (laughs) It's going to work. The question here, though, is can we be patient to wait all the way to the end? (laughs) 
if that is what is needed to maintain the unity of the Spirit. There are people who so hang on to their pride that they force us to treat them as Jews of Jesus' day would a Gentile or a tax collector. Okay? And some might do that their whole lives. Well, our whole lives. Are we willing to be patient even in this to keep the rest of the church together in unity? Paul instructed Pastor Titus in this very point, as for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. A believer who is warped and sinful? Apparently. And the correct behavior toward them, that which best demonstrates patient humility, is to have nothing to do with them? That's pretty tough. You want to know how important Jesus thinks this is? Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I among them. How important is unity to the church? There are eternal consequences to our actions the various ways we need to express our humility and patience are of critical importance. What we do here echoes in heaven. Jesus, remember, is talking to his disciples. You'd hope they're getting it, but no. Peter, you gotta love Peter. He can't keep his mouth shut. (laughs) The who's greatest in heaven, that question, it it just didn't get what he wanted, so... Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. On the one hand, it looks like Peter is bragging. Measuring by his own standard, he looked pretty good. Seven times? I forgive him seven times? It looks pretty good. But maybe that's not it. Maybe he just wants to know how long does this bearing with thing have to go on? <laughs> I mean, how long do I got to do this? <laughs> uh, I think that might be it because the very next thing Jesus says is that parable we started with. The kingdom of God is like, hmm. That parable ends this way. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you. You, he's, he's talking to his disciples. The translation When a person belongs to the master, he will pay all his debt, which, Jesus said, is equal to forgiving your brother from your heart. (laughs) Or as Paul said it, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Would you like to live a perfectly miserable life? (laughs) Just don't forgive.
God will teach us to forgive, even if he has to lock us up in prison. So please don't convince yourself you're okay when you don't forgive. Brian Duncan, one of my favorite singers, he wrote a great song. He says, I never lied to you. That's what I believe. I never lied to you until I lied to myself. I lied to you to hide the truth from myself. Wow. We're not okay if we're not forgiving, no matter how much we lie to ourselves. Why are we not okay? Because we don't have unity. We don't have unity unless we humbly express patience in forgiveness. Put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Satan hates unity in the church. He hates it. He attacks it with every weapon he has, with lies and innuendos and gossip and questioning, 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 with jealousy, with pride. Ah, pride. Why does Satan hate our unity so viciously? For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ. Here it is. Here it is. That together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in one voice when we have unity. Satan wants the glory for himself. He's got pride. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? <laughs> he hit me back. <laughs> it's all about me. Satan thought he should be glorified. But there is only one creator, God. And that angers Satan. <laughs> so he ever pushes every person toward arrogant pride. He pushes us to have one standard for ourselves and a more critical one for everybody else. We can't think we're exempt. None of us are exempt. <laughs> He's trying to drag everyone down with him. Drag everyone down in pride to hell. But he won't succeed. <laughs> for God our Savior will ever gently pull us toward him to the kingdom of heaven. Okay, sometimes he pushes us pretty hard, like two by four to the forehead hard. And if we're his, we're going to get there. <laughs> we will make it. Kicking and screaming or not, we're going to make it. No matter what it costs us in this life, he will make sure we make it. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, 
eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Humility is not concerned with being great in the kingdom of heaven or anywhere. It is gentle. It is willingly expressed in patience, in forgiveness, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let's pray. Father, this little scripture and and the story your son told, we want that unity. And it costs us, we have to give ourselves up and quit trying to treat ourselves different from everybody else. We need to give that patience we can have with ourselves to others. And we know with your spirit in us, we will achieve it. We'd really like to achieve it the good way, but if we miss, Lord, we're willing to accept even any chastisement you might send our way to get us back in line. For we do want to be like your son. And for those who don't, just can't seem to line up, Lord, help us to be praying for them. Help us to be doing whatever it takes, the proper steps in dealing with them, but also all the way to the end. Let us be faithful to you first so that we can be faithful to those around us. Thank you, Father, so much that you cared for us enough to send your Son. He died for us and your Spirit seals us as yours. We belong to you. So help us get through, Lord. Thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.